I'm Shanna Martin, host of the Tech Tools for Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. I am excited to be here with you all on this wonderful Monday, or it may be well into Tuesday, depending on where you are in the world. I just want to thank you for making My EdTech Life a part of your day. I appreciate all the likes, shares, and follows, all the listens, all the, you know, everybody following us and subscribing on our YouTube channel and everything. I really appreciate it. As you know, our mission is to connect educators and creators one show at a time. And I am excited for today's show because I had the honor of being a guest on Lainey's show, you know, recently. And it was just an amazing experience. And of course, it's she's somebody that I've been wanting to get on the show for a while, but I know that she's been very busy. But I am thankful that we have been able to make this happen. So I would love to welcome Lainey Rowell to the show. Lainey, how are you this evening? I'm better now that I'm talking to you, Fonz. And I got to say, the production value on this show, like the sound coming in, there's a vibe. I love it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Lainey. I really appreciate it. I'm just looking forward to today's conversation. As you know, you know, our mission, connecting educators and creators, and we we want to bring more value to the education landscape. And I know that you have just so much experience, you know, from seeing everything that you do on Twitter that you post, obviously an author, uh, a writer for Edutopia, amongst countless other things. Uh, But of course, I'm not going to go deep into that because I would love for you to give us a brief introduction before we get into that superhero origin story. But just for our audience members that may be tuning in that are just getting to know who you are and getting familiar with your work, if you can give us a little brief introduction and your context in the education space. I would love to. Can I get a shout out to my friend Tim Cavey, though. I see him. Oh, of there. course. And I mean, I am so happy to see friends in the chat. So yes. Very cool. So like you said, Bonds, I'm Lainey Rowell. I have been in education for more than 25 years, which is like when you say lots of experience, I kind of hear not that you're putting this on me, but I kind of hear old. Um, I've been around. I know you're not doing that. You're too kind. But but I'm starting to feel like, oh, wow, I have been around for a while which is a good thing because I have loved every minute as an educator. Um, And so I am, as you said, I am an author, writer, podcaster, and I get to go out in the world and work with other teachers shoulder to shoulder. I still get into classrooms to to co-teach and to work with kids. But I really, I have like no two days are the same. And I know that it's the same way in the classroom, but I would say, add to that, no location is the same any two days. So I get to travel around and I have so much fun. I am also a consultant for Orange County Department of Education. I live here in Huntington Beach in Southern California. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. And I know it's a small introduction because, and it's very similar to your show. Like, I really want to say everything, but I, I this is my favorite segment too. And I know it seems a little repetitive because 
you know, my thing is, is that, you know, the people that I've had on the guest or people that I look up to, people that are doing some amazing things in the education space that I learn from, that I take those little knowledge nuggets and sprinkle them on to what I'm already doing. So I kind of see them and see you as sort of a superhero figure in this space. And as we know, every superhero has an origin story. So, Lainey, if we can start off the show by telling us actually just a little bit more about your journey as an educator. And, you know, my question to lead off this conversation or this section is, was education something that you all you knew from the start that you wanted to go into? Or was this something that came in a little bit later in life? Um. Definitely not where I thought I was going to go. And I joke that my family is like, oh, you changed lanes without signaling. We really did not see you going into education. And I'll, I'll explain more about that. But first of all, I know this is the this is the danger of having a podcaster on as a guest is like, I want to interview you. And I just want to say, talking about superheroes, um, I know someone who was featured in the Future of Education insert in USA Today. Do you know who I'm talking about? Maybe. <laughs> okay. Because it, it's a little, it's, I feel like you're the superhero, but you're, you came on my show and you did a lovely job. I record my shows in advance. It'll be coming out soon. So I'm going to try and be um, a, a polite guest and not def deflect the question like I sometimes do. So I'll tell you a little bit about my story. And again, congratulations. You have to be a I'm so happy for you. Thank you, Lainey. I really appreciate you all. And uh, you, and uh, of course, I appreciate all the support and, you know, from everybody. It was just something that, that was wonderful. And I, I don't know, just I, I'm just very thankful. Again, it's just the consistency and that hard work and just podcasting and just amplifying educator voices like yourself and everything. It, it just all came together. So thank you so much. I'm, I love the shout out to consistency, too, because sometimes people see big things happen for people and they're like, oh, wow, that just landed in his lap. That it's like you've been working so hard for so long, amplifying the voices of others and all the amazing work that you do for education. So I'm just glad you, you're getting this acknowledgement. Thanks. So, OK, trying to get back on track. Um, I just couldn't help it. So I actually was a psychology major. I went to San Diego State, and when you go to San Diego State, I don't know exactly what it's like right now, but um, we heavily impacted me in every major, but psychology was the one that had the least amount of requirements, and it was something I was, like, terribly interested in. I was like, this is so fascinating to get to learn about humans and how they're thinking and behaving, and I was in love with this, this um, major, but I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do with it, and then it just so happened when you're a psychology major, you do field hours. I was given some options as to how I could do those field hours. One of them happened to be working at a school um, with, a, with, a, with students with learning differences. It might have been a choice because I think it was the closest to campus. Let's, let's say no. Let's say it was fate. Let's say it was destiny. Um, but I did end up doing it. And immediately, as soon as I stepped on that campus and started working with those kids, I knew that's where I belonged. So. I, I kind of, like I said, changed lanes with, without signaling. And that's, that's kind of how I ended up going down the route of earning my teaching credential and all that fun stuff. Oh, there you go. And now may I ask, you know, so once you stepped into education, what grade level is it that you started off with? 
Oh, so this is a kind of an interesting thing because I actually, my, the first grade I taught was kindergarten. And I had always said, I will never teach kindergarten. Because to me, that was like, back. this is again, aging myself, but you could have four-year-olds in a classroom when I taught kindergarten. And so I was like, that's just too young. I need them to be like tying their shoes a, at least a little, or I don't know. I just wasn't really ready for, for a lot of that stuff. But I said, I'm never going to teach kindergarten. Ended up teaching kindergarten. I said, well, I will never teach sixth grade. Next year, I taught sixth grade. And I said, well, I'll never go back to the real littles. Like, I would never teach first grade. So you can guess what grade I taught after that. So I jumped down to first grade. And I ended up um, at a school that was having the population split because there was a brand new school being opened. And half the kids were going on to the new school and half the kids were staying at the other school. I ended up looping half the kids. So I had them for first grade and then literally helped them. Then I took them to second grade. And then halfway through the year, we packed up, got on a bus and went to our new school. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's an interesting experience, Sarah. That's great. So you started off with the littles. Oh, my gosh. I was just telling you today, you know, going back to campuses to help support for some math instruction. And today I got to work with third graders and like I mentioned to you earlier, I was a little nervous because I hadn't worked with the littles. Usually the lowest, the, 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 I think it was fifth grade. That's it. It was always fifth and sixth, never went any lower. But working with the third graders, it was amazing today. So I told myself, I was like, you know, I was like, if I were to go back into the classroom, I would like to th try third grade because I had so much fun and it was great. But I, I tell you what, I did get out, you know, teacher tired and I am not in teacher shape anymore. So I'll tell you that for sure. Not Those in teacher shape. Very specific muscles that get exercised every day as a teacher. Yes. And you know, I will say I live with a third grader. My son's in third grade. It is a lovely grade. And I will say after after I taught kinder and then sixth and then second or first and then second, I actually ended up being in a district position where I reported up through secondary and spent the majority of my time in secondary classrooms working with secondary teachers and co-teaching and working with kids. So I've really had the full um, K-12 experience. Sherry, third grade is the best. I'm, that just popped up. So I had to echo that because for my son's sake, I will say that. But they're all that was the best thing about jumping around grades is they all have something wonderful about them. So that was like a true blessing, even though I did not intend to bounce around. Absolutely. I, I now go, oh, that's the great thing about teaching kindergarten. That's the great thing about teaching adolescents. That's the great thing. Yeah, oh, so. my goodness. Absolutely. Well, Lainey, you did mention something, you know, you know, prior to this section, you know, talking about, you know, many people see, you know, kind of that final product and, you know, but it's a lot of hard work that goes into this. And like I mentioned, you know, for example, you are an author, very well-known author. And we're going to talk a little bit about some news. Maybe not a lot of people may know. I know you shared something with me, but we'll go into that. But also, like I mentioned, you are an author for Edutopia, you know, several articles that are out there. So I want to ask you, as you started your career in the classroom, you started, you know, kinder, and then you're moving on up. And then you said moving at the district level, where did this drive, where did this passion come from to really put yourself out there and start writing about the things that you were experiencing in the classroom and then just really dialing in on, you know, I guess just the, the skill set that you bring to help our teachers, to help students. Where did that drive come from? Well, first of all, that's all very generous. Um, I think. You know, like I said, I came into education 
I actually planned on going into special education. I wanted to work specifically with kids who have learning differences. Well, it turns out a lot of kids have learning differences. In fact, we all have differences. We're all unique and dynamic. And so I really got excited about, okay, how could I use technology to actually amplify and meet the needs of our learners, you know, amplify their voices, meet the needs of all of our learners. And so that's how I kind of ended up going down that road. And it was really a matter of my principal, who when we opened that new school, we didn't have a lot of technology, but we had new technology. And when she would come in, she liked what I was doing. And so she, my, this amazing principal, Monique, started pulling me out and having me go in and co-teach with other teachers. And it just kind of all, you know, snowballed. And like you said, there's a lot that happens behind the scene. I would say the common thread throughout my career is I'm not very good at saying no, although I've gotten better at it. But but it's still, I still like to do things that are helpful to other people. And so that's kind of the drive behind that is like, how can not not only help our youngest learners, but I want to help learners of all ages. And it's really how I learn. And so there's that saying, you know, we write the books we need to read. And so I love writing books because when I write books, that's how I learn. And uh, one of the ways that I learn. Oh, my gosh, that is awesome. So I just want to ask you just because of your experience and maybe just for countless other educators that are going to be listening to this show. And again, just kind of hear the way that you you started, you know, writing books and so on. But, you know, what is the one thing that really you said, you know, let me go ahead and do this. What was that first experience like when you said, you know what, let me go ahead and either put pen to paper per se, because I mean, you probably typed this out, of course. But now you said, you know what, I'm going to put this out there. What was that first experience like? Was it something like, you know, did some imposter syndrome kind of kick in? Or did you say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there because somebody out there will definitely find some value. How was that experience like? It's, I'm just laughing because I'm like, so I was very fortunate that I was actually approached about writing a book um, by, by various people. And I, I never understood why. I'd, I'd like to think that maybe I made things accessible and that, resonated with people. I don't know why. Maybe I just got lucky. But and, and enough people reached out and said, I, we think you should write a book that I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. And the first book was with Corwin. It took, oh, my friend, it took a minute. I mean, like I was so much imposter syndrome, so many bad writing habits, like it took forever. And then you know, I, I spent a couple years kind of flailing. And then I brought Christy Andre and Lauren Steinman on to write with me. And the accountability and also being able to share their brilliance, that was really, really helpful to me. And I think once I broke through that, that was really helpful. And if I could just add to the whole behind the scenes concept, if people look at my Edutopia and they're like, oh, my gosh, she's written like 12 articles in two years. Friends, I have not submitted 12 articles. 12 articles have been accepted. I have submitted way more than 12. And I still to this day get rejections. So I'm not that is with so much love to Edutopia. But I just want to put that out there because I think sometimes people get the the no, thank you. This isn't right for us right now. And they take it really personal. And they're like, well, I'm done with that. And I it took many attempts to get into to where I felt comfortable. Like, okay, they might say no to this, but I'm still feeling good about this and put it out there. Excellent. Well, see, and that's good to know. I just wanted people out there to know because, and and that's so good that you share that with us, that obviously, you know, you may want to put some stuff out there. And like you said, 
this may not be right at that moment, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't mean like, oh, you know, it wasn't any good. It's just for that specific moment. And, you know, maybe the timing was off. Maybe you're already way ahead. People aren't there now or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I love that you share that and that you're putting that out there because, again, for many uh, for many audience members, many people that are listening and they watch, they're like, oh, they, they just make it look so easy. But it really isn't, you know. But so tell us a, a little bit about your books, you know, the inspiration you have, you know, uh, Evolving Learner and then, of course, Evolving with Gratitude. So tell us the story behind it. I, I'm curious to know and I always like to pick people's brains because this is the way that I learn, too, because. I'm going to reflect on this and say, hey, you know, is this something that I can kind of do? Or, hey, you know what? That's something that I learned from Lainey. So maybe let's try this out. So tell us about that, those two projects. And then, you know, maybe you have something in the works, possibly. I do. I'm so excited about my next project (laughs) that I'm in the process of right now. So like I said, Evolving Learner was not an overnight project. That was a real, okay, get your act together and, and do this. And so. I had some really poor writing habits. I finally got out. But where that started, like I said, I was asked to write that book. And it came from Alan November in, I think it was 2015, asked me to keynote his event, which was so flattering. And what really shocked me, because I have done so much work with innovation and educational technology, is he actually said, well, for your keynote, I want you to talk about professional learning. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand, Alan. I do professional learning. I don't talk about professional learning. This is like, so it ended up being this very meta experience where I got to really think about my craft and how I could be better at it. And like I said, that you write the books that you need to read. So it ended up being this multi-year project. Again, I, I got to work with Christy Andre and Lauren Steinman. And we got to think about like, what are the best, you know, how can we make this a cycle of inquiry? How can we honor collective? Um, cycle of inquiry, how can we offer opportunities for individual cycle of inquiry? And it's, you know, we know that the best professional learning is ongoing and job embedded. And it doesn't, you know, if it's ed tech or whatever it is, we we know some truths about professional learning. And so this book was all about like, yes, how could it happen in a system, but also how could it happen for an individual? And I'm really, really proud of that book. It was a an interesting book birthday because it was March 13th of 2020. Obviously, there were bigger things going on in the world, but it's I and lots of sadness and I but I do not recommend launching a book when the the Western Hemisphere shuts down for a pandemic. So it was it was an unfortunate release, but I'm still really proud of that book. And it did have um, a really it's it's been getting a lot of really good attention, I guess you'll say. I love it. That's wonderful. And then, of course, evolving with gratitude. Tell us a little bit about that, because I know I the, I see a lot of posts, obviously your podcast, too, as well. You've got so many great people and also, you know, just so many people that collaborate, you know. And so tell me about that, because this project also seems just very exciting to me. And maybe I don't know, it just seemed like a little bit more you, a little bit more of that kind of creative freedom, things of that sort. And it was I, I love it. And so tell us a little bit about that, how that idea came. From the evolving learner now to evolving with gratitude. Yeah. So, I mean, it all kind of ties together because I'll be honest, and I've given myself grace for this, but there was some, you know, in Lainey's world, this pandemic is 
at a terrible time. I've worked on something for five years and this is what's happening. And again, I am fully aware there were much more important things, but I think both can be true, right? I can understand that there's bigger things going on in the world and also grieve what was supposed to be a really special, you know, like all the, the book tour got canceled. And so that was really hard. And like a week into shutdown, I came across this Laura Kelly Finucci poem. And it starts off when this is over. And I never do the the poem justice, but some of the lines are like um, a handshake with a stranger, full shelves at the store, conversations with neighbors. And it was this beautiful like, hey, we were taking a lot of stuff for granted. Let's never take that for granted again. So I saw it as like, oh, my gosh, I need to be more grateful. Like there was so many good things. And I also considered it a call to action of like, wait, I need to be grateful for what's happening, even this really, really difficult time, because although this was just a tragedy for humanity, I was safe at home with my family. There were things that were lovely, even in this very, very sad and tragic time. So um, that was kind of like my first delve into gratitude. I started a gratitude journal, uh, journal with my kids that we did every night. We had a gratitude jar that we placed in the center of the house. If someone wanted to capture something and they were afraid they would forget at bedtime. Um, I started giving these gratitude jars to my neighbors and like not day one or day two, but like weeks down the road, I would hear from people like that made all the difference for our family. And I was like, there's something here to gratitude. And I kind of just tucked that away. I didn't really do anything with it. Um, I just made a mental note and I started reading more about gratitude, but I had no intention of writing about gratitude. And then George Kuros invited me to write a chapter for Because of a Teacher, the first volume. And writing this chapter about actually the principal I mentioned earlier, Monique, was the most joyous experience And I was like, okay, this public expression of gratitude is bringing me so much joy. This is another element I need to think about for gratitude because there's the stuff that happens internally, but then, you know, how can I share it with the world? And I happened to write an article for Edutopia and it was so amazing. And Fonz, I know you, you know this about gratitude and you were, uh, you're a lovely guest on the show. I can't wait for your episode to come out. But honestly, I didn't realize how impactful it was. And I wrote this Edutopia article. And people are like DMing me and commenting on it. And they're like, this is life changing. Not my stuff, but gratitude in general. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to learn more about this. And I pitched it to Impress, which is George Kuros, Paige Kuros, um, Dave Burgess and Shelly Burgess. And they said yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like talk about gratitude. I was so excited to do this project. And the best part is, I got to bring in the voices of 20 amazing educators. And so it's it's me talking about, you know, why gratitude? What are the benefits? And then, you know, here are some practices. I share little personal stories here and there. And then peppered throughout the book are these brilliant, lovely stories from contributors sharing how they're practicing gratitude with kids, peers, and the world. And I just have to tell you, the nice one of the nicest compliments I heard about the book was a couple weeks ago I was at a conference and someone came up to me and she had bought the book when it first came out we're almost at a year now and she said that she keeps it by her bedstand so she can go read the contributor stories when she needs to pick me up 
like right before bed. She's like, she finds it very like therapeutic. It brings her joy, gets her excited for the next day. And I was just like blown away. So that's amazing. You know, and that, that project, you know, though, oh, okay, we've got a comment here. Mr. Carr on the web. Thank you so much for joining us. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. He's a great TikTok creator. The guy is awesome. So big shout out. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, but yes, Lainey, you know, I, when I started, you know, messaging you or not really messaging you, but just commenting on your post too, because, um, you know, on my drive home, I have a queue of podcasts and then I just said, you know what, let me go ahead and just start listening. And I started listening and I listened to Brian Carpenter's. I listened to, actually, I went right down the line. Uh, of course, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Galvan, first name, Sandra. Sandra, oh, oh my Joe gosh. Yeah. yeah, Sandra Joe Galvan. I mean, and then after that, I just started listening. And you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes we don't take enough time to just be grateful for the things that we do have. Just even just the smallest wins. You know, even today, you know, thinking and reflecting on my way back, I'm like, you know, I, I know my position is not to do or be a math teacher, but the fact that I was asked to do this and to and do that help, I am so glad that I did it because, again, just reconnecting with fifth graders, sixth graders, and third graders, and that just really brought joy to my heart today that I was just so pumped up. And then the fact that I get to speak to you about gratitude and what you're doing through your podcast. Honestly, like it makes my drive to in the morning to work. It it sets me up for the day, you know, and I am good because it really makes a difference when you hear educators that you look up to, educators that you see on Twitter and they share their experiences. It's like, hey, like this is wonderful. People being vulnerable and sharing these things and I, it, that human aspect, it's so important. And it's really helped me out too, as well. Like I said, listening to your podcast, listening and reading, uh, you know, all the contributors, their stories, because everybody has a story and everybody's story can add to that specific moment that you may be going through in a positive way and just kind of maybe help you see things through a different lens, which is why I love doing what I do. And I, I'm sure that that's why you love also doing the podcast, just seeing things from different lenses, seeing different types of gratitude and, and the way that we are just grateful for what we have. So it's just really exciting. So uh, before we get into, you know, the the new stuff, tell me about the podcast then. So really, the book came out first and then you started doing the podcast. And how did that come about? And were you really excited to just really get going? Because I know you were doing podcasting before. Yes, yeah, so I've actually been, I mean, with some hiatuses, yeah. but I yeah. <laughs> did a podcast for my district probably 15, 16 years ago, like right when podcasts came out. It was probably terrible sound quality. And I learned the hard way that if you record outside, be prepared for some wind background noise. And I, I learned all the things the hard way. Um, and then I did a podcast with Bree Hodges, mm -hmm. Lemonade Learning. We're on hiatus for that. That was a busy girl. We both got a lot going on. Hopefully we'll get to get back to that soon. And then, like I said, there's there's 18 stories by 20 amazing educators in Evolving with Gratitude. I knew within four weeks of starting that project, I needed to hear more stories. And I knew that it also needed to be a short book. So I figured, okay, well, these are the stories that are going to be in the book, but I can do a podcast so I can keep the stories going. And I don't know if we have any Huberman Lab 
fans, but Andrew Huberman has talked about, you know, his challenge with traditional gratitude practices. And he shares a protocol and I write about it in the book. And I think this works really well for some people. And it's to think of a gratitude story for, you know, when when you felt gratitude, when someone expressed gratitude to you or when someone else has experienced it. And we can have this like emotional contagion where we feel it too. And so to me, that's why I wanted to do the podcast and why I continue to do the podcast. I'll do it as long as people will listen to it because I just love the stories. And like you, I listen back and reflect on it. Cringe when I talk because that's not usually a good part. But um, but I'm, I'm like, can I remove Lainey? Uh, but the the guests and their stories are just like, they fill me up. They are so heartwarming. And they're not, and you mentioned vulnerability. There's a lot of vulnerability in the stories that are shared. This is not all sunshine and roses. This is people really being honest about things that are hard and things that are good and how they use gratitude as a coping mechanism and how it helps them build their resilience. And it's not a, that nothing's bad. We're going to ignore the bad. It's just a, a choice of how can we embrace all the emotions and also really look for the good. Excellent. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So just to touch just a little bit more on that, because I know I keep saying like, oh, we were going to announce something, but it's just because I, I just, you know, I, I, the timing is right. But, you know, what, Lainey, right now through your experience, how do you see, you know, gratitude fitting into the education space right now? What is it? How can we do more of it? What can we do to help our teachers like you said, gratitude can be a coping mechanism. So through your experience and through your eyes, as far as what you're seeing, how can we do better? Yeah. And so I think, you know, I structured the book as gratitude with kids, peers, and the world. And it's not just with, it's for. And so one of the things that I'm really passionate about is being super asset-based and focusing on what can we be thankful for in our kids? And really calling that out. I did an article um, for Edutopia not that long ago, just a matter of weeks ago, talking about the art and science of using praise for improvement. Now, I know some people don't like the word praise, but that is what the literature, that is what the research uses. So I'm being true to that when I say praise. But just to be super clear, we're not talking about praise as in like, good job and, and you know, vague and insincere. We're talking about specific, authentic appreciation. Maybe it's for you know, something they're doing for learning, or maybe it's just something they're due to co cooperate with their peers or with you, but really looking for, and, and I was taught in my psych degree, I was taught six to one, six positives for every negative. And that's a, an aspirational ratio, because it's not really easy to do. But even if it's five to one, four to one, because the experts don't even agree. But what they do seem to agree on is overwhelmingly specifically and authentically highlighting the positive. And we see this in every facet. This isn't just in education with learners. This is in friendships, partnerships, romantic relationships, business relationships. Um, this has been shown across the board. And so I think that that's something I really want to focus on right now is like with kids, peers in the world, how can we focus on showing our appreciation for the good? Now, notice the, the praise to correction isn't six to zero we still need to give feedback that, you know, specific and actionable, high quality, timely, all those things. But just being super intentional and in how can we focus on the good. And then when we give the feedback 
of things that could be improved upon, everyone, kid or adult, is much more receptive to listening because they know you care and you see good in them. So they don't get as defensive when you give them the, here's what we need to work on. Perfect. And for uh, I did put in the link to Edutopia for your profile where it's got all of your articles, but I also did pop in the link. And just in case you're wondering, this is the article that Lainey's talking about, the most recent one that did come out on Valentine's Day. All right, February 14th, but it is the art and science of using praise for improvement. So please make sure that you do check this out because I did read this and it offers just, it, it's a great resource for you to go through. And I love the tips here for highlighting positives and promoting growth. So it's very well written. It is concise. It's something that you can definitely pack in your teacher tool belt for sure. So please make sure that you do check it out. So Lainey, anything else going on in the works by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> so I will tell you, it's it's like I've been a little bit um, vague on social about this, but I did put out a post a few weeks ago that I am partnering with a brilliant creative on a project this brilliant creative happens to be one of my lifelong best friends. And I'm still not sure how to explain it well, but it's an interactive gratitude journal. And it is meant to be super fun, really inspiring. It's a lot of choice. So it's meant to be, you know, when I'm doing the research and I've actually over the years bought like 50 plus gratitude journals, some of them are really open-ended. Some of them are super guided. And so what we wanted to do was put something together where there's guidance when you want it, and then there's free choice when that's what you're in the mood for. And so it's not linear. It's not like on April 3rd, you should be doing this, you know, prompt. It's like flip to whatever part of the book you feel like this is, it, you know, where I'm at today. And I just got off a call with uh, my partner earlier today. She's in charge of the visual and the design, and it is just going to be so lovely and i'm just super excited to get it out there we don't have a date i don't I, it's we're still in the early stages but i think people are going to really love it and it's actually we like to say it's for anyone 10 to 110 because we've written it for for tween and up and honestly if you did it as a family you could go even younger than 10 awesome i love it and you know what i love too that you said it's like wherever it is that you need to be for that day that's wonderful. And I think that's great. I mean, that's that adds to that playfulness that, you know, where it is that you're because we don't know, you know, that day could start off great. Something happens at the end of that day or towards the end and it just you're in a different, you know, I guess zone. And now it's like either you need to reel it back in or, you know, or it was just an overall great day. And now you can just go ahead and continue. And I love that. So I'm just really excited about that because I think that that is something that is wonderful. And I absolutely agree from 10 to 110 and even then some. Yes. I, uh, obviously, you know, because there could never be enough, you know, out there and especially, you know, just little things to think about as far as gratitude on our day to day. And oftentimes, you know, we focus so much on that one negative that we forget about maybe those six, 10, 20 positives that happened that day. But we just get so hyper focused on that, that it just kind of ruins, you know, the moment and we don't see everything else. So, you know, I think that's going to be a wonderful project. So I'm definitely excited about that for sure. And I know you just said you just all started on it. So maybe an ETA possibly just I mean, all depends. My dream would be this summer, 
Okay. So that's my dream. We'll see. It's um, there's there's things that are in our control and things are out of our control, just like everything else in life. And so we'll we'll see. But I'm so excited about it because I feel like as an educator, I have learned over the years. It's like you don't want to just say go at it and have a great time. Good luck. You know, then we get in that choice fatigue, that paradox of choice. Um, you also don't want to be overly prescriptive. So really trying to find this nice, sweet spot like we have in each section, we have gratitude prompts, but they're like cutouts because there's blank pages that follow and whichever prompt you feel like doing that day, you can cut it out. Or if cutting a book sounds terrifying to you, you can just rewrite it um, or print it or do whatever you want. But it's meant to be like, hey, do what you feel is right now. I mean, if you want to go in order, you can. But we want to give as much choice as possible. So I'm super excited about it. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited and I can't wait because definitely this is something that's great for all of us at any level, whether you are, like you said, even a student to a teacher, to an administrator, to just, you know, an everyday person that could just use this and just reflect on their day and just, you know, make it a little bit interactive and just have it there. Like you said, uh, you know, have it there on your bedside and just little things to reflect on and just, you know, meditate on things to look into things, how you can better yourself. And then what I love about it too, is like, once you write all that stuff in there, you can always go back and reflect and, you know, say, Hey, this is where I was at. This is where I'm at now. You see the growth or you see maybe certain uh, patterns and things of that and say, okay, you know, I can, you know, improve here. I can do a little bit better here and so on. And so you're always just on that self-reflection and that's great. You know, I love that idea. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, and, and and I think, oh, sorry, really quickly, no, I just want to yeah. say like one of the things that was so fun researching for Evolving with Gratitude is discovering there's like so many more gratitude practices than journaling, which is why this we call it an interactive journal, because it's not just about writing. There's actual activities, thought practices, meditations. There's all sorts of fun stuff. And it's meant to be kind of artistic if you want it to be. You don't have to be, but if you want it to be. I love really. it. I love it. I love it. Just the, the fact that you offer choice is wonderful. And to me, that is huge. So that's great. Well, Lainey, I, you know, I know uh, I respect your time. I know you have uh, some mommy duties and things of that sort that need to get taken care of. But I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, this conversation has been wonderful. I'm glad that it was able to come to fruition. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing what you're sharing, what you're putting out there on social media for, as a resource for all our educators in whatever capacity that you that we all serve, everything that you put out has been extremely helpful. So thank you so much. So Lainey, if you would, please, for all our audience members that are watching us live or those that are you know going to catch this on the replay, can you please let us know how they can go ahead and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Lainey Rowell across the web, LaineyRowell.com, at Lainey Rowell on the socials. And I know that that's a spelling test, but check out the show notes because Fonz is awesome and he'll mm -hmm. make sure that it's in there. And so I would love to connect with you. Tim has a question in the chat. Is this is the journal something that would work with middle schoolers? It absolutely. They're actually kind of who we have in mind because we know um, if, if it's going to work with middle schoolers and we can make it appropriate for adults too, that's going to be like a huge win. And so thanks for that question, Tim. Excellent. Great question, Tim. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being part of the chat. I really appreciate you, my friend. And I do want to give a shout out to Tim also because his YouTube channel, I believe, had 100,000 views and that is definitely no small feat. And one thing that I do want to say on the topic of being uh, grateful, uh, Tim 
Cavey is one of the podcasters, educators, friends that I am really grateful for, for because I've been able to learn so much from him in this space, in the podcast space, in the content creation space, and all of that. So I definitely am very thankful for him and his friendship. Same thing for Dr. Dan Krinas, who's on here too as well, that I've been learning a lot from. So I'm very thankful to Sherry also. And there's so much Sherry has been like every show, she's always there. So definitely on that topic of gratitude, thankful for everybody that is here and that they were able to join in and listen to you tonight. So Delaney, thank you again. I really appreciate it. But before we go, I always end the show with these last three questions. And if you've seen the show before, you are very familiar with the three questions, but I'm going to throw a little curveball in there uh, at the end. So here we go. Question number one, Lainey, in the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? So I am a listener and a watcher of the show. I know this question's coming. It's still a little daunting because I feel like it might be a touch contextual, kind of like what's happening in my mind today. Um, so I, okay. Um, first of all, I'll just say I'm not a great, great with uncertainty. That's probably my overall kryptonite in general. Um, I think where we are right now, I'm going to bring this to something specific to ed tech because I think this is a really important moment in time. And I understand the hesitation with, where does a classroom fit in with chat GPT? But I'm just going to say I see a lot of potential. And just like any tool, any service in the beginning, there's a lot of opportunity for abuse. And sometimes the first people on are very clever at using it in ways that maybe we don't want them to use it. But I am hopefully I don't get some I, I'm thinking your audience might be on board with me with this, but I just see a lot of potential. And I'm so excited about thinking about like, how can we really teach kids to frame things and adults too, so that they get the best quality results, whether it's a Google search, a chat GPT query, whatever it is. Like, I just see this as such an opportunity. And so I get a little anxious when I hear people dismissing it or banning it head up, you know, right out of the gate. I understand. I understand. But no, great question. A uh, great answer, actually. And I do see it. I mean, the future of education, we know that education is continually changing. And like you said, when a new tech is introduced, there's always that fight or flight uh, kind of deal, uh, you know, or whatever, you know, but it's just, you know, uh, about adapting to the situation. How can I make it be useful for me, for my students, and just to continue to grow? So, yeah, excellent answer. And, and, and for teachers who are like, I want to get to know this, there's actually a great article on Edutopia right now. I didn't write it, um, but it's. It's all about using ChatGPT to save time. I think it's a brilliant article. And if you're like, I don't know about ChatGPT, go try that out. Because let me just tell you, there's a lot of good there. Oh, I remember when I had a conversation with you, you're like, oh, my gosh, ChatGPT was down. And that kind of set me back. <laughs> well, yeah, a little behind the scenes. Like I, if I get a writer's block, to be clear, my writing is my own. Edutopia has not published anything for ChatGPT. It, it, for me, it, it's really all my own writing. But when I get stuck on, I don't know how to say this, I do go into ChatGPT and what's another way to say this? It's usually not what I want to use, but it usually gets me closer to what I want to say and I can keep refining it, which is like a really intense meta, like critical thinking thing. It's not like I'm going to put, if I put garbage in, I'm going to get garbage out. So it's me trying to think about like, how can I craft something the best I can be? 
How can I put it in here and maybe get it better? And then when I get that back, how can I make it even better with my own like flair, if you will? Of course. Absolutely. All right. Question number two, Lainey, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? So this billboard would maybe cause car accidents because it's a really long word, but I, I still, the, the, the essence of it is the important thing. But there's this $5 word that I first heard from Todd Rose and it's equifinality just means, you know, equal in the end, if you will, if you want to get like all word sciencey on it. Um, but just this idea that we can all get to the same great destination taking different routes. And so I just, that's kind of been my like one sum of like, if you ask me about, well, Laney, when you talk about inquiry-based learning, what do you want to say? I want to say that we can get here and we can all take different routes to get there. Talking about gratitude. Some people are going to love to free write and do journal responses. Not for everyone, which is why we're doing the interactive journal that has all these different practices like mental subtraction. Um, so, yeah, so I think, uh, like I said, this is going to be an annoying billboard because people are going to be like, I don't know what equifinality means, but it would it would be intriguing, I hope. Perfect. Actually, I love that. And I love, like you said, you know, it's like with math, it's like there's more than one way to solve a problem. I love this. There's more than one way to get to your end goal. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't expect to take that road, but it ends up being the best one to get you where you need to be at that specific time. So I love it. Thank you so much. And I know the last question I usually say, you know, if this was your podcast and I was your guest, what would be one question you'd like to ask me? However, since I was a guest on your podcast, I'm going to change the question up a little bit. All right. So that's why I said I'm going to throw a little curveball at you, but it's not I'll take too curveball. Yeah. But can I just not... make a pitch for I want people to listen to your episode on evolving with gratitude because you have so much wisdom and I want people to catch that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. But here we go. Last question. What is something in life you really have an appreciation for that most people don't know? OK, this is what popped into my head. Um. I have an appreciation for constraints. So I'll explain more. And that is, I think it's really fun to problem solve. And so when I'm told like, well, you can't do it this way. I'm like, great, let me figure out another way. Because <laughs> there's like we've just talked about with the equifinality, there's usually many ways. Um, I, I rarely come across there's only one way. And so I, I actually kind of find constraints interesting because I think they're a great opportunity to get really creative in my thinking. Was that an so, off-the-wall answer? That was, yeah. And again, for all our audience members, that was not rehearsed or pre-planned or anything. That was literally a curveball right now because I said, well, I was already on her show. So hopefully you do catch that episode, which will be coming out soon. But check it out. But Lainey, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart again. You have been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for all the wisdom, enthusiasm, and the work that you continue to share and just the positivity that you put out into the education space. Like I said, your podcast is one of my favorites that just really sets the tone also for my day. Hearing all the educators that have been on your show too, hearing their stories, it's it's this is why we do what we do. We will just want to amplify those voices. And so thank you for what you're doing. Keep doing the amazing job that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. You too, Fonz. And I want people <laughs> to, and like your USA Today feature came out like 
two days after I had you on the podcast, so I didn't even get to talk to you about it. So I feel like you knew it was coming and you kept that from me, but we're still friends and I still adore you. And we're going to have to put that in the show notes for when your episode comes out. Oh, for sure. For out. sure. Well, thank you so much. And to all our audience members, I, again, from the bottom of my heart, I am thankful for your support. Thank you so much for making my EdTech life what it is today. For all our audience members that were here in the chat, like I mentioned again, Tim Cavey, Dr. Dan Krynes. We've got Sherry Fleischer that was on here as well. We had Mr. Carr on the web that was here. Thank you so much. Really means a lot that you guys find value in our content. If you do find value in our content, please make sure you follow us on all socials at My EdTech Live. Please make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up. Make sure you give us some hearts on Instagram and all that good stuff. Retweet our stuff. We really appreciate all of the support. And make sure you stop by our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you can check out this amazing episode and the other hundred and where am I at? 188 other episodes too as well. I kind of lost count. I'm almost close to 200. So that's another amazing feat. But thank you all for your support because we couldn't do this if it wasn't for you. And I wouldn't do it if it wasn't for you because this is what I love to do. Just bringing such amazing educators to share their stories and just bring back that positivity into the education space. Uh, just amplifying their stories and hoping that, again, you'll take what they share and sprinkle it onto what you are already doing great. So thank you all from the bottom of my heart and my friends, as always, until next time, don't forget, stay techie.